Let's go ahead and get in the Word. Once again, we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have a Bible and you receive one this morning, feel free to keep that one. We would rather it be in your hands than sitting in our back cabinet all week. We've been talking through this series. If you've been with us for the past couple weeks, we've been talking about this idea that Jesus came in the flesh and this beautiful, profound truth that here is God who is literally incomprehensible. That God, for as big as he is, and the way that he functions, that in our human capacity, you cannot, everybody say cannot, you cannot comprehend everything about God. God, knowing that, decided he would make himself known in a way that we could relate. And so what better way to reveal yourself to a bunch of human beings than by becoming human yourself? And that's exactly what Jesus did. Jesus related to us on our own terms. And that's something that God equips the people, his people, to be able to go do to the world around them. And so we're talking a lot about being like Jesus. We're spending the entire fall talking about that. We even talked about last week, if you were with us, this idea that you were created to be like Christ, but you were also created to need Jesus. Did you know that? That when you feel that in your heart, like, man, I really need God to show up in this area of my life, and you feel that angst. And maybe you're like, man, I just really, I really need to grow in my trust of God. And maybe you think something's wrong with me. Actually, something's right with you when you feel that way. Because God designed you in such a way to reveal or to rely on him. But not only that, that becomes your witness to the world. You're relying on God in the midst of things that the world doesn't. And they see God showing up through that. And they say, wow, Christ is real within you. One thing I want to look at over these next couple weeks with you guys... I want to look at something specific regarding relationships that we have with one another. I want us to look at the way that Jesus related to the people and to the world around them. Because to be like Jesus is to also see the way that God does the people around us as well. And so to be like Christ is to look at your friends, to look at the people that are closest to you, your family, and to say, God, I want to see them the same way that you do. And so we're going to look at it that way. This week we'll talk about it. Next week we're going to talk really practically about your friendships, the people that you have relationship with in your life and about how God deems that. But this week I want to look at a specific text in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. It's written by a guy named Paul, which many of you know. Paul wrote this. He was a pastor. He wrote a letter to the people he was pastoring, it would be like Pastor Randy writing you guys a letter, or myself or Daniel, writing a letter of instruction to you guys about how to pursue Jesus. And we come to this interesting text here, where in chapter 9, verse 19, this is what he says to them. He says, Though I am free, and I belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those people that are under the law. To those not having the law, I became otherwise known as Gentiles. I just want to make a note of that. Maybe it says that in your translation. I became like a Gentile or like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. 
I have become all things, everybody say all things, to all people, say all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Can you guys say amen with me to God's, Jesus' word? Now, don't worry if you didn't understand necessarily what we read, because what he says is that though I am a free man, that I belong to no one, though Christ has set me free from the things of this world, though I'm not in bondage of the things of this world, I'm a free man. I have made myself a slave to those around me for the sake of them. That even in the bit, that beginning sentence right there, Paul is taking a stance that he has a duty to the world around them because of what Christ is within him. That he says, I become a slave to the world to save the world. That Paul's being intentional about leading people to Jesus around him. And then he goes into this really interesting text that maybe we don't always understand because of the context. But it's a profound, and I would say it's pretty astonishing what he says here. He says, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. And he says, to the Gentile, he says, I became like a Gentile. And so... I want to talk about that for a quick minute because that's a really powerful thing that he says right there. The, the terms Jew and Gentile were references to different kind of demographics of people, different cultures of people. And so just maybe you already know this, but if not, the term Jewish, it refers to someone who is from Israel. It'd like be saying someone is American because they're from America. If you're Jewish, you're from Israel. Now think about this for a minute. To say that you're from Israel, you have to recognize that nation and everything that they had been through. Because God had called them as his holy people to be revealed to the world. The Israelites saw things of God that none of the other nations saw. They were delivered from Egypt in the past through Moses. Even God would say, you saw the signs and wonders yourself. And God would say, I'm making you my people as a witness to the world around me. That's a pretty, pretty impressive heritage, amen? That you would have, you'd say, you know, I'm Jewish. Like, God chose our people to represent to the entire world what God is about. That's a pretty cool calling on your life. Someone who is Jewish, I, I guess it'd be easier to explain it this way. If there was someone Jewish in our day and age right now that was going to your high school, this is what they would look like. This would be someone who, like, was born into Christianity, a Christian culture. They grew up breathing in and out CM stories. Amen. If you can relate to that. All right. They've gone to Christian schools. They've grown up in a Christian culture. They know all the verses. They can memorize the Bible. They spit them out, and you're like, shoot, I can't even find the New Testament. (laughs) You know, like, they're impressive in that way. But... It doesn't necessarily mean it's a heart thing. It's as much a knowledge and a culture thing in the same way that you're raised in Israel rather than making a decision to follow Jesus. Now move to Gentile. Everybody say Gentile. Gentile is a reference to someone who isn't of origin of Israel. They're not Jewish. And so this is a reference to everyone else. This would be the kid at your school who you look at and you go, you're an absolute mess. You know, like, you look at their life, you look at the decisions that they're making, maybe they come from a broken home, and you're like, oh man, oh man, you're an absolute mess. You're making terrible decisions in your life. And those people, just as much are a part of God's kingdom that God is reaching. 
And so you have these two absolute extremes. You have people that were raised this way, culturized this way, and then you have people way over here, a part of a completely different culture. And yet, what you see in that is Paul saying that to the Jewish people, this group of people, I submit myself and I become like them for the sake of leading them to Jesus Christ. But in the same way, I come over here to these people who are completely different, and I lay down my life in the same way as to bring those people to Jesus as well. It's not just one or the other. It's all of them that matter. I've become all things to all people, is what he says. And being like Jesus is becoming all things to all people. I think there are a couple myths that come along with Christianity. Maybe you're someone who came to know Jesus. And sometimes we have a funny way of believing certain things that just aren't true. Amen? Like we make these assumptions, well, this is true. Or maybe you know it's not true, but you believe in them. Amen? How many of you have ever done that before? I think one of those assumptions can be this. That one assumption is this. When you talk about Jesus and his church that you think it only belongs to one culture. Maybe you're someone that comes in and you, you look at the church or you look at people whom you deem holy, people you deem like, oh man, they're, they're spiritual or they're really close to God. And you say, and that's one type of person. I'm not like that person. I, you look at this room and you say, man, I need to become a different kind of person. And I'm talking just beyond obeying God's commands and trusting Him in faith. I'm talking about looking differently, talking differently, being different culturally around you. That's a myth of the kingdom of God because if anything, when you look at the Bible, you get a picture that it's the complete opposite. And if anything... It's defined by this, that God's kingdom is bigger than any one culture in itself. Amen? But that word culture is a big one. If we're going to say God's kingdom is bigger than any culture, it might be good to define it as well. Um, it's defined as the beliefs, the customs, the arts of a particular society, group, place, or time. It talks about certain beliefs, ways of life, way of thinking, behavior, or workings that exist in a place or an organization. So it's more than just necessarily one thing that you believe, but it's things that you believe amongst a group of people. This can happen on like a major scale. And so there can be an American culture. There can be a North American culture, European culture, kind of like hemisphere cultures. And so it happens on a major scale, but it also happens on a very small personal scale. Did you know that you and that kid that goof off in class every day have a culture on your own. That you two, and the way that you act, that's a culture right there. Maybe you're on a team, you play on a team, there's a culture within that team. There are certain beliefs, there are certain expectations that you guys have. And so sometimes, how many of you know that you go from class to class, or you go from class to team to home, it's like you're stepping out of one culture into another, into the next culture, amen? That's, that's your Monday, that's your typical Monday, amen? A lot of us experience that on a major level. And it can not only happen on a, on a major scale, but it happens daily to us. That different cultures are a part of our own lives. And yet, what we think and what we see can sometimes be influenced by that. That we think when you step into one culture that this is a Jesus-like point where it's a culture. And, but when I step out of this, God can't exist in this culture anymore. 
because he was only confined to one. What if God was bigger than all cultures? What if God could be a part of every single culture around us? I got an opportunity to go to um, the nation of Israel a couple years ago. I would highly recommend it to anyone in here. I got an opportunity to go on a tour and see all the different places where Jesus was. I got to see, you know, downtown Jerusalem where all the major stories happen. I got to see the empty tomb. I got to walk in and look at the place where he laid, where it's empty now. It was pretty... It's a pretty amazing thing. But one thing that I remember about that trip was when we were at the Sea of Galilee, the place where Jesus walked on the water. Uh, we were kind of near the place where you walk in the gate. And there were all these different groups of people there. Now, it was interesting to see because what I began to notice is that they were all different nationalities. There were people that were traveling all over the world coming together just to see these locations and in the same way that we came from portland oregon to see these locations it was incredible you see like a group of japanese kids worshiping in their own language as excited as i was but then you walk right past them and you see a group of brazilian kids just equally as excited and then past that you see a group of chinese kids feeling that way too it was pretty it was pretty inspiring to see so many different people from places that i had I have nothing about worshiping Jesus. And in fact, it kind of made me feel a little like, wow, my life is so insignificant. Because sometimes when you're in this culture, when you go to Beaverton or you, you live in this community and you think this is the only place that God can truly be. But then when you step out of it and you see on a major scale the things God is doing around the world, you're like, wow, God's really a much, much bigger than I think. Most people, when they ask them, they're like, oh, so where are you from? Because when somebody asks you where you're from around here, you're like, oh, I'm from Beaverton, I'm from Oregon. And they're like, cool. But there, if you say that, they're like, what's a Beaverton? And you're like, oh, it's an Oregon. And they're like, what's an Oregon? And it's like, we're from the U.S. It doesn't matter. <laughs> because it's, it's part of a greater thing that's happening around us. And in that as well, I think it's important to understand that your love for Jesus isn't just built on one culture in itself but it's built on believing and trusting Jesus. And that's the thing that really matters the most in it. Because when it gets built on a culture, it lives and it dies by the culture by which it's built. Amen? That when it becomes more about the culture, it becomes more about the things that are around us, it becomes more about the way that people look around us than it is about encountering Jesus, then it's only going to last as long as those things. And don't get me wrong. It is great to have a healthy Christian culture around you. In fact, Jesus would say, you need to be a part of a body and you need to be running alongside people who will spur you on in your faith the same way that you're running your race or they're running their race. But it's not the whole thing. Your foundation is in Jesus no matter what culture is necessarily around you. And furthermore, to reach other people around you means stepping into different cultures than the ones that are right here. Amen? It means going past that because if you believe that God can only exist within this culture, then there's no, you'll never even bother to step out or understand somebody different from you. Amen? I think the church can lose its effectiveness when it only is contrived to one culture, one set of beliefs, one demographic rather than multiple. Because what you see in the Bible is that the church... God's family 
has made it through so many cultures. When Jesus started with the church in ancient Hebrew, Eastern culture, a lot different culture from this, amen? Modern Western civilization, that's where we're at. That it has now made it through 2,000 years and has grown from 120 people to millions and billions of people now around us. That's something that doesn't happen because one culture just hit it off. That happens because Jesus and the Holy Spirit have been moving in every single culture. Amen? And that's the thing that the Lord has for us as well. So what does this have to do with anything about Scripture and you being like Jesus in your life? Because maybe you're sitting here and you're like, wow, that's awesome. It's cross-cultural and that's, that's really great, Pastor Jeff. But what does that have to do for my life? What does that have to do with where I'm at right now? It's this, God in the same way has made you individually to cross cultural lines because Jesus is bigger than the cultures that are in front of you. It happens on a big level that the church was meant to cross cultural lines, but it happens on an individual level as well. You were made in such a way to step out and to love and lay down your life for people that are different from you. Amen? Amen? That's an important truth that you're not going to want to miss. And that's something that we're going to continue to bring out for the next two weeks. Because in the same way that you sit and go, if you go, well, I don't know about stepping out or understanding someone that's different from me, that will stifle your faith. But in the same way, if you step on and say, you know what, I'm going to love people that are different from me. I'm going to step out of my own comfort for the sake of those around me. It will unleash your faith to a new level because now you're acting in faith and you're loving the same people that Jesus loves as well. You can stifle it, but in the same way, it can bring you to a whole nother level. What if instead of coming to church and looking around the room and thinking, all right, how do I fit in here? How do I look the part? Because that'll make me closer to God. I just look and I fit into this culture, this one culture. What if instead of doing that, you came here to get equipped the way that you were to go out into the world, into the cultures that you find yourself in, and to witness to them. You know, for a long time as a tennis player, I didn't think, I held that against me because growing up, I didn't really fit in at church. I didn't really talk to anyone at church. And so I always held that against me as something, as a reason why I was far away from God. But one of the things that I began to realize is that it actually made me unique to the task that God had called me and to the people that he called me. It's the same thing that happens with you. God has made you guys unique. Can you guys say unique with me? <laughs> unique. <laughs> Such a strong word. <laughs> um, but think about this for a minute. How many of you guys play sports or are on a club or on a team of some sort? Now, maybe you're on a certain team where people have different roles on your team. You do something on your team that is equally as important as someone else, but they do something completely different than you. And maybe that's the thing that they're good at. Maybe they're like, they're key to your team, but they're made in such a way to be key to the team in that way. They can't do what you do and vice versa. You know, in that, it makes a team stronger and better and more able to win or whatever it sets out to do. But it's not like that person's like, oh, I wish I was like all the other players on the team. Oh, I quit. You know what I mean? You walk around and you're like, I'm the, I'm the man. Like, I can do something that... I'm bringing something to this team that no one else can bring. You use that as a point of even confidence to say, you know what? They take care of that, 
and I take care of this. So let me ask you something. Why is it in the kingdom of God when you do different things than other people and can reach different people than other people, we go, well, I don't look like everyone else. Maybe God doesn't have something in store for me. What if that was a point of confidence to go, yeah, like God has made me different because he's calling me to different people around me. What if your circle of friends at school were people that God has placed you in to reach them specifically. I speak on behalf of all pastors here and all leaders. When we look at you guys as high school students and say, you guys have an ability to reach students and friends that we could never reach ourselves. You guys have a voice in their lives that we'll never have. God has placed you in places that he hasn't placed us in. He's placed us in certain points, but so has he with you. Believe that over yourself. Trust that over yourself, that he respects you enough to use you in those ways. In fact, in Galatians 2.8, it talks about, Paul says, he says, For the same God who worked through Peter as the apostle to the Jews also worked through me as the apostles to the Gentiles. There's that Jews and Gentiles again. Paul was someone who really worked well with Gentiles. He worked really well with rough people. All right. God used him miraculously in that way. That was a that was a calling on his life. But he says in the same way, Peter, whom we all know, was called to the Jews. He was great at revealing Jesus to them. The same God for both. The same God that works amongst this group of people is the same God that works amongst this group right here. Who are you an apostle to? Who has God placed around you that are people that God has given you favor to show Jesus to? is an important question. And that's something we're going to continue to look at in depth next week. But before that, I think there are two things to take away. Everybody say two things. There are two things to take away from this scripture right here this morning that are absolutely essential. If you want to be like Jesus and you want to see Jesus work in your life in this way, then it's essential that you guys understand this. The first one is this in verses 20 and 21 when it talks about To the Jew, I became like a Jew, and to the Gentile, I became like a Gentile. God loves people who are different than him. I want to say that one more time. God loves people who are different from him. It's not just a matter of being better or worse. It's a matter of difference. And that's a really, really hard thing to swallow sometimes. And that's a hard truth, too, because, you know, it's one thing. If you see your friend at school, or you see someone around you, and they're like, you know, I'm just really struggling in my life and I really need, I just feel like I'm not forgiven in my life and I'm just struggling and I, I don't feel like I'm loved. It's like, who do I go to? And you're like, ah, go to Jesus. That's the one. It's like, and you have compassion for them when they're struggling. But let me ask you something. What if that same person's like, man, I'm really struggling. I really need a savior. And now let me share you my opinion of President Trump. And you're like, ooh, like, now you just, ooh, I don't agree with that a lot. I don't agree with a lot of things that you believe in. And all of a sudden, there's a disagreement between you and someone that doesn't know Jesus. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, ooh, I don't know what to do with that. You want to know what Jesus did with people that were different from him? He loved them. And he laid down his life for them. Jesus didn't bring the hammer down. But instead, brought the cross up. All right? And it's the same thing we get to do for the people around us. You know what Jesus did, actually? 
Many of you guys know the story of the Samaritan woman by the well. Jesus being Jewish and him hanging out with a Samaritan, that was breaking major cultural barriers because Jewish people and Samaritan people did not hang out with each other. That's like, that is Democrat hanging out with a Republican right there, all right, in our day and age. But not only that, but after he hangs out with the Samaritan woman, the Samaritan village comes to him and says, spend with us some time so we can learn about you. And Jesus, it says this in John chapter 4, if you want to read about it, says he spent two days, he spent two days living among the Samaritans. See, it's one thing, would you guys agree? It's one thing to kind of share a room for an hour with someone, but it's a whole nother thing to eat a meal with them. It's a whole nother thing to open up your guest room in your house. It's a whole nother thing to spend the entire day with someone and know that you're going to spend the day again with them the next. See, Jesus doesn't just tolerate people. Jesus loves people. In the same way, we don't just tolerate people that are different from us, but we love them. I want to share with you, Holly, do you have that picture of the slide of Frank? From I want to share with you guys a slide here. Um, I thought this was a really powerful story in light of what we talked about. So Frank um, is the guy sitting in the middle. Frank um, is a Cuban... Uh, immigrant who has been living in the U.S. for a while. This is a really powerful story. How many of you guys know Supersize Me? Do you guys, were you guys ever made to watch that video? Or maybe you're going to. So that guy who did 30 days of eating McDonald's, which might I just say, ew, all right, he made a show about doing 30 days of different things. And there was this one episode I thought was really powerful. So Frank is a minute man. And if you don't know what a Minuteman is, those are people that stand on the border. And actually, if they see an illegal immigrant coming, they begin to escort them. They stop the illegal immigrants from coming and they take them back to Mexico. He's someone who has felt so strongly about that, that he has gone to protest um, in all kinds of different ways. But let me tell you something about Frank and what he did that was really powerful for us, for us stud, like steadfast in what he believed in. He made a decision to live 30 days with that family, which are illegal immigrants, to learn about them and to be open-minded towards them and to share life with them. And what they found, these two people that were so separate in their beliefs could actually come together. And at the end of it, both of them acknowledged and respected one another and loved one another, even though they were so really divided beforehand. And I think that's something that's important to understand because even though you don't agree with some people in this world, amen, that there are people we don't agree with in this world out there, that doesn't disqualify you from respecting them. You can be right about something and not respect people. Sometimes in life we think if we're right, it gives us the right to be disrespectful and to not be a servant and not humble ourselves to other people. But the truth is, if someone is, disagrees from us, that should give us even more reason to love them and to lay down our lives for them. Amen? You aren't called to just tolerate different people. You're called to love them. Verse 19 is incredibly powerful. Though I'm free and I belong to no one, it says this, I have made myself a slave to everyone. It doesn't just say, I just, I kind of tolerate the people around me. It says, I'm a slave to them. 
You know those people who think differently from me? Those cultures that are so different from me? I make myself a servant for them, is what it says in another, another version. Another one says, I subjected myself. And another one says, I put myself in bondage other than them. Think about the people you disagree with most. The people who rub you the wrong way in your life because of what they believe in and how they go about it. What if you put yourself in bondage under them? What if you became their servant because you love them so much? And what it says, it says, I became a slave to them to win them to Christ. You didn't just do that for nothing. You did that to show them the love of Jesus because in the same way that we love those that we disagree with, so Christ loves those that disagree with him. The ultimate example is in Jesus. You know, God became like us, and we are like God, but we're also very different from God. Amen? How many of you know that you are very, very different from God in very major ways? Amen? Here's one major way. God is without sin. God doesn't have a sinful nature like us. God doesn't lie like we do. God isn't impatient like us. God is perfect. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. He's all-present. That's what it says. And yet, God doesn't use the differences between us as an opportunity to pull away. Instead, God uses that as an opportunity to draw closer to us. All the more reason to love. God is in heaven, so different from us. And so what does he do? What does he do? Takes on flesh comes to earth so that we could understand and make some common ground, uses some common language so that we could understand him. Think about that. God gave common language between people so that he could express how much he loves them. What if you came to the people that you can't even communicate with because you're so differently from them at school and you loved them enough to be able to communicate well with them for you to understand your heart? That's what Jesus did and that's what we're called to as well. God loves people who are different than him. And the second point is this, Lane, I'm going to call you back up. The second point is this. First one's that God loves people who are different from him. But also this, God loves those who are weaker than him. You know, I think one of the reasons why it can be difficult to love people that are different from us is because when we see people differently, we don't necessarily see it on a horizontal plane. You know what I mean? It'd be easy to understand people different from us if we saw them eye to eye. Sometimes we see it more like a, like a slope or like a ranking system that people who aren't as right as us are less than us. And you know what? No matter what culture that you find in this world around you, whether it's among your friends, whether it's smaller, whether it's large, if it's of this world, there are certain traits about it that tell you it's of the world and it's simply this. Here are the certain kind of common denominators of them it's this there's a certain celebration of the strong there's a certain focus of our attention on those who are talented those who are capable those who have leadership qualities those who look the part those who are high functioning those are kind of the traits that there's you guys are great in you have a ranking system you see that throughout culture but you don't see that in god's kingdom God doesn't rank us from top to bottom, but instead, God looks at the marginalized in society. He looks at the orphans. He looks at the widows. He looks at those that are in deep need, those who are mourning, and he says, I'm going to lift you up. 
God who has it all doesn't use it to lift up himself, but instead he uses it to lift other people. What if you use your position, instead of glorifying yourself and lifting yourself up, you said, I'm going to lift up other people for the sake of it. That would be being like Jesus in every sense of the word. So I'm going to ask you guys to close your Bibles, turn off your phones. We're going to close right here in a song of worship and in prayer, but I think there's a couple different ways we can respond this morning. The first one is this. Once again, if you want to be like Jesus, you have to look at what Jesus looks at as well and understand the world the way Jesus does. That's called a worldview. You want to have Jesus' worldview in order to understand and love the people around you. Amen? And that's something you get to understand over yourself. And so I'm just going to ask you guys to close your eyes. Maybe you're here and you're someone that hasn't looked at the world in that way. Maybe you're someone that has looked at Christianity as no greater than the culture that you live in. Maybe Christianity doesn't even exist outside of this church for you. Maybe Christianity doesn't even exist beyond just the school you attend or just the family that you attend because it's more about the circumstances rather than it being your own choice no matter what was around you. And you're here this morning and you want to decide that, Lord, I want to love this world the way that you do. Lord, I want my faith to be bigger than just the culture that I'm a part of. God, would you give me the confidence to step out of my comfort zone, to love the people around me, and to see you work beyond what I'm just comfortable with. That's you this morning. I want to pray with you. But also, if you're here this morning, and maybe you see God as someone who's just only limited by culture, and so maybe you feel like, man, God doesn't love me because I don't fit this role. Maybe I just look differently from the people around me. And this morning, you need to accept that God made you unique, and he made you perfect the way that you are, and he wants you to be the way that you are. And you need to accept that he loves you and forgives you of your sins, and there's a grace upon your life to follow him and to draw closer and to trust him with your life as you obey him. And if that's you, I want to pray with you as you accept that. Jesus, we thank you that you're so much bigger than us and in this place, Lord, that you're bigger than just the culture and the community of people we are. But Lord, you're above all. Lord, that you've called us to step out, Lord, and be your hands and feet. So Lord, would you give us the strength? Would you set a fire, Lord, down in our soul? Lord, to love the people around us. Give us your eyes. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want you guys to stand.